Primordial by Eduardo Cavalcanti Your throat burns as you imbibe the strong drink. It helps a little bit, but the bitterness of those pills overpowers all other sensation. You had done your research. You know that even at this high dosage, what you took is more likely to give you permanent brain damage than outright kill you. But you had done it anyway. Out of passionate indifference or fear that you might back out again, only you can say. Your hands tremble with fear and sweat dribbles down your chest onto your shirt. It is an old black tee with the faded illustration of circling sharks. It is stained and the edges are frayed from overuse. A relic of your late middle school years you had brought all the way from home. Try not to think about that. Your eyes wander to your surroundings. The room you share with two other freshmen is like a pollock that reeks of body odor. At first glance, you cannot tell what is what in the sea of discarded wrappers and loose pages. But to the trained eye, each piece of garbage is part of a greater pattern. Your most recent contribution to the pattern is the pill bottle that lies empty at the foot of your bed, atop the pile of unread textbooks and unopened pens. Your stomach roils. Whether this is a reaction to the pills or the fear of the inevitable, you can't quite say. What remains of your self-preservation instincts tell you to run to the nearest bathroom and expel the poison from your system. Perspiration soaks the bed as you sit in panicked contemplation. A morbid sense of commitment keeps you rooted to the bed. You try to quell the voice of panic that fills your head, but it only grows louder and louder. No longer able to contain your fear, you lurch from the bed, stumbling through heaps of trash to the door. Your shoulder connects with the heavy wood and breaks the locking mechanism, and you stagger through the common room and into the shared bath. Your throat fills with bile as your stomach contents spew into the toilet. You can see a partially digested sandwich floating among the half-dozen tan pills. You force yourself to vomit again, sticking your finger down your throat and covering your hand with bile. For the next twenty minutes, fluids spill from your eyes and mouth and collect into the waiting bowl. You take a minute to wash your face and mouth with a paper towel and flush it down with what portion of the poison you were able to purge. Exhausted, you return to your room, trudging through the garbage again to reach your bunk bed. You awake. The room is dark. The only light is a harsh yellow that pierces through the window. From the corner of your eye, you see long shadows created by the harsh light begin to move. They skitter and slither, forming monstrous alien forms that could not have been held within those spaces. You struggle and squirm, but your limbs are too heavy to move. You expend all energy, but only manage to lift your left index finger. You can hear them approach as you struggle fruitlessly to regain command of your failing body. Their limbs fall unevenly upon the refuse-strewn floor, like things unaccustomed to walking on material ground. 
There are three creatures that you can see in the hard yellow light. The closest one stands at eight feet tall, with something that resembles an ovular head atop its lanky, misshapen body. As it crosses into the light, you can see that the oval has an incision shaped like a cross where its face should be. The second creature is considerably stockier than the first, its rotund mass of white flesh giving it the appearance of a melted candle. Between its putrid folds, you can make out rows of razor-sharp teeth, chunks of rotten meat still clinging to them like gruesome trophies. The final creature defies all categorization or description its body shifting seamlessly between alien geometries. Its very existence speaks to a primordial age before creation, where everything was none and all. They circle you in the dark, their myriad voices shredding your mind, even as they awaken an ancient familiarity. The tallest of the creatures reaches within its spindly form and produces a brutal instrument. You can only guess what possible applications it could have. But you fear you will soon know. Your flesh trembles involuntarily as the cool metal pierces it. Your body screams in protest. But your mouth is mute and unresponsive. First, they take your eyes. Why they do this, you, you do not know. Perhaps it is out of curiosity. Creatures of such absolute and primordial dark have no need for eyes. So they mean to study yours. Perhaps it is out of malice that you might feel the later counts with greater intensity. Perhaps it is kindness, so that you need not see what lies in that churning abyss. Once their butchery is done, you are left alone, suspended on a sea of deprivation. But even in this barren abyss, a morbid life still blossoms, like maggots writhing in a rotting corpse. As you hang, held aloft on unseen currents, you feel an ancient and familiar presence lurking just beyond the range of your decimated senses. Its rage and jealousy threaten to overwhelm you. But beneath this tide of bitterness, you feel something warm and maternal. Like a parent reunited with their long-lost child. In that instant... You know that our kind was not born of celestial heights or incandescent brilliance. We spew from the roiling 
dark, a tide of gnashing humanity drawn inevitably towards the entropic flame that fuels us as surely as it kills us. For the first time, we are home. You, you find yourself sitting alone in the cafeteria. The hazy light of dawn and the, the smell of fresh eggs tell you it's morning. You look down at your plate. Cereal and dry toast. Your hands tremble as you reach for your utensils. You dip your spoon into the bowl, lifting half a dozen flakes of sugary wheat into your mouth. The spoon quivers a moment before plunging into your half-open maw. <laughs> In that instant, the overwhelming bitterness returns and you reflexively spit out the food. Having given up on the cereal, you take a piece of toast and try to force it down your throat as quickly as possible. The bitterness intensifies, and you are forced to retch the half-eaten bread into the cereal bowl. Your appetite is ravenous, but the food before you might as well be poison. You need meat, raw and bloody, to prepare yourself for the journey home. Your eyes turn slowly towards the unaware cook, getting ready for the rush of hungry students. You will do nicely to start. This story is licensed under a Creative Commons share-like international license. Story read to you by Eduardo Cavalcanti, with music by Purple Planet Music. Come by next time, as we delve into the bones of a dying city, with an unlikely hero faced against inhuman evil. Thanks for listening.